Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. If you're a person of color, you know what, even if you're not a person of color, if you're a person from an urban community, an urban environment who believes that the outdoors is only for one type of person, I'm going to say you're wrong. It's for everybody. It may be a little bit more difficult for people like us to get out there in terms of planning and logistics and such, but it's not impossible. So get out there. Since 1936, the National Wildlife Federation has worked with hunters and anglers to pass the most important conservation laws of American history and to protect our sporting traditions. This podcast explores our history, our values, and the work we do to safeguard the fish and wildlife that fuel our passions. We are NWF Outdoors. Welcome to the NWF Outdoors podcast. This is your host, Aaron Kindle. Today we have an intriguing guest. He's going to help us understand what it's like to hunt uh, from the middle of a big city. How's it going today, Cliff? Uh, good, man. Thank you for having me on, brother. You're welcome. We have Cliff Cadet today, and Cliff is a bow hunter. He's been hunting for a couple of years. He He lives in Queens, New York City, and he's kind of taking the world by storm with with what he's been doing his his instagram handle is urban archery nyc he also has a podcast of his own called when the hunt calls and uh he's been hunting for a couple of years and he he's just been going on a on an interesting journey he's been featured in outdoor life and we're just happy to have him and uh we're going to start with, with what you've been doing outside, Cliff. Give us a little insight into what it's looked like for the last few weeks or so for you. Um, all right. So recently, um, outdoors hasn't been been um, much about me as it has been about my family. Um, as you already know, COVID's been, you know, has hit not only my city, but this country, this world pretty hard. Um, and my kids spent... Uh, pretty much all their, their entire school year indoors um really didn't uh do any anything outdoors for the past year so um this summer has been kind of uh, my wife and i focusing on trying to get the kids out and about um and just enjoying you know life outside you know what i'm saying so um been spending the summer um doing a lot of uh doing a lot of e-scouting with the hopes of getting boots on the ground within the next couple of weeks and then add to that getting my kids outside just like uh yesterday as a matter of fact uh took my kids out 
uh, to the beach out here in Brooklyn and um, just had a great day out. You know, that was pretty much it. Awesome. Yeah, it's COVID has definitely created some new realities uh, for a lot of us and trying to figure out what happens with that. Uh, I live in a rural area, so it's a little easier to get out, but uh, understand how it goes. I uh, Lately, I've been been kind of hot and and then here in the west the rivers are kind of hot so my latest thing has been getting up really really early and going fishing you know hitting the water by before six o'clock and getting off the water before nine o'clock and that's been an awesome addition just getting out some really changes the day so nice good good way to get outside well let's jump in a little bit cliff first you have two kids right and and how old are they um, I've actually got three. Um, my oldest, uh, twenty-four. He's grown. Three. Um, yeah. Then, then my daughter is thirteen, and my youngest son is nine. Nice. Those are some good ages. I have a thirteen-year-old daughter too, so we got that in common. Uh, well, let's just talk a little bit about like where you grew up. You know, did your family hunt and fish? Did you know how how, how did you kind of dive into this new experience that you're in right now? All right, so I'm actually, while I live in Queens, New York now, I'm actually born and raised in Brooklyn. Um, my family uh, never hunted, never fished, at least not with me, I should say. Because um, uh, it, it's funny because um, when I kind of started this endeavor, endeavor I, hadn't fig- I hadn't remembered, you know, the stories that my dad told me about his childhood. Um you know, my I'm the son of two immigrants, my parents coming from Haiti and Cuba. And um, my dad, it wasn't until recently, maybe in the last year that I remembered my dad telling me stories of him growing up as a Boy Scout um, in Haiti and, and my and, you know, growing up on a farm in the countryside of Haiti, um, you know, raising pigs, chickens, things like that, um, that I realized, oh, wow, like, how come I didn't grow up this way um, and come to the realization that growing up in a big city, there was no need to. So um, growing up in Brooklyn, I knew no archers. I knew nothing of hunting except for what was maybe taught in school, kind of like, you know, how um, Native Americans hunted, how cavemen hunted, you know, the whole thing about hunters and gatherers. Um, and, you know, pretty much archery, uh, aside from hunting, archery for me was kind of left to, um, you know, books, specifically fiction. You know, I was a big fan of uh, characters like Hercules, uh, Robin Hood, you know what I'm saying? Things like that. Um, I was really big into Greek mythology growing up. And, um, but that didn't translate into, you know, archery hunting for me as an activity. Um, fast forward to just a couple, maybe three, four years ago, uh, my cousin, who was kind of like a brother to me, um, had picked up the sport of archery as an activity for he and his daughter to take part in, you know, just some weekend stuff to do. And I happened to I happened to be on a little trip with him to a big box store um, out here, Field and Stream, where he was just picking up accessories for his and her bow. And I was just in there with him and no pun intended, but I pulled the trigger on like a, a package bow came all set with, you know, sight, stabilizer, quiver, all that good stuff. Um, and I, you know, I was shooting my bow for a little bit, but then 
I that the boat kind of started collecting dust in my closet. And then it wasn't until the winter of 2018 as a Christmas present to myself, I bought my own target because I figured, you know, why should I shell out money, you know, um, at the local ranges if I could shoot in my mother-in-law's driveway? Um, you know, I live in a small two-bedroom apartment with my wife and kid, but my mother-in-law owns her own home. So the driveway afforded me my own shooting lane. Um, so that was like December of 2018, cold out, but still didn't deter me from getting my own target and shooting in the middle of winter. Then uh, January of 2019, I had started my social media page, Urban Archery NYC uh, on Instagram. And the purpose of that for me was more um, to kind of pick the brains of, you know, seasoned archers um, and, you know, learn about some tips and tricks on shooting. And right around that time, I created that Instagram page. Um, The Archery Trade Association was holding its yearly convention, if you will, the ATA show. And I saw so much bow equipment um you know being just you know being put out there like they were kind of you know if you're familiar with ata you know how they they unveiled the the newest flagship bows the newest arrows you name it you know it's it's a bow hunter's paradise um and i got introduced to folks like um i didn't know who john dudley who john dudley was um you know at the time saw him you know on ata's feed cameron haynes um, you know, folks like that who I started following on social media and that kind of planted the seed for me when it came to hunting. I was like, wow, there's a really a whole industry, you know what I'm saying? A whole community behind this. And then that kind of, you know, sparked the flame of my interest in hunting and then thinking about having me, it basically started having me question, you know, where my food was coming from. Uh, you know, the whole process of, you know, how meat comes from wherever it comes, wherever it's sourced to how it makes it into my local supermarket, things like that. And then the idea of being able to to source my own meat um, really appealed to me. And um, from there, I decided I wanted to hunt and and I did my best. Anyone who was willing to answer questions through Instagram, I was sending them DMs, asking them questions. Well, how do you do this? Um, with how do you do this with the bowl? How do you do this when you scout? Whatever the question was, I'd pick somebody's brain. If they were willing to answer my questions, um, I was more than willing to ask them. Um, and that basically snowballed into basically what I'm doing now is the, the whole thing is with being from a big city, I realized um, it was one of two things. It was either that people of color from metropolitan areas didn't hunt or they just didn't really share it on social media. Um, And I've grown to learn that it really is that they don't hunt. Um, And what I've done with my social media page, specifically my Instagram page, is using myself and then even now my family is just kind of share my journey and um, with hopes of other folks coming across my page and realizing, oh, wow, this guy lives in New York City um, with public land you know an hour away maybe longer by public transportation but he's getting it he's getting out there you know what i'm saying and that's basically it you know that that's and it's led me here to to conversations like this one that's awesome man it's inspiring it's uh it it 
makes me feel like there's no excuses, right? Like if you if you're living in the middle of a city and you you're grabbing some a bus or something to get out and hunt, it just means, man, it can be done kind of no matter what, right? I, I love that. I love that spirit and that passion. Do you, do you think you had like a what was your biggest like epiphany? You know, like today I feel I realized something huge and that kind of changed it for you and made you just really fall in love or go head over heels with this because you're not someone like I, I've looked back and followed kind of what you did and it wasn't it wasn't just a little it you know once you got going you've been all the way in. Um. All right. So I told you January 2019 was when I saw ATA. Um, that year I worked on getting my hunter safety, uh, certification. So I got my hunter safety done and I got my full hunter safety, which is required. Both are required in New York state. Um, but I couldn't get my hunter safety, my bow hunter safety in time for spring Turkey. So I had to pass on that. So instead I went out, uh, fall of 2019 for my first deer season which was a huge <laughs> debacle, but fun nonetheless. Um, it was a debacle in, in my, in, on my end in terms of my planning because I spent all year shooting. So, you know, I believe my skill level is there to place, you know, an ethical shot on a deer. But, um, you know, the getting out to the woods part um, was, or when actually being in the woods and what to do was something totally different. Like I partnered with my cousin and he and I hunted a piece of private land that my buddy owned that was, which turned out to be um, almost three hours away from my home. And that turned out, I ended up hunting a total of three days that entire season, all on separate occasions. Um, and, uh, but the thing is in those three days, I learned a lot. Now, the, the reason I only hunted three days that season is because um, my two youngest children were both playing organized sports for the first time that season. My daughter playing volleyball for her junior high school team and my son playing basketball for the local church. Um, to be honest, that wasn't something that I was going to miss, um, you know, with taking up hunting. As much as I um, sure. was falling in love with, you know, with hunting, um, I love my kids more. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I wasn't going to miss, <laughs> miss yeah. out on that. So I got to hunt a total of three days um that 2019 season but now jump to the spring turkey season of 2020 um my aha moment came in the turkey woods um if you will and um by that time i was blessed enough to have gained a mentor an in-person mentor if you will because i had a i've had a lot of mentors via social media but i had the the pleasure of having and uh, this guy, Anthony, he's um, an assistant director of a deer management program um, that takes place in a preserve about an hour from my home. And he took me out turkey hunting and I fell in love with the the first turkey gobble that I heard. Um, <laughs> like he hit the call that day, that morning. Um, I mean, well, to be honest, by the time I finally heard uh, my first turkey gobble, we were on our fourth piece of fourth piece of public land that day and had already hiked over six miles. Um, and it wasn't until that fourth piece of land that we, we got to um, later in the morning that he hit the call. And I mean, when I heard that gobble, it was like as, as if I was hearing thunder, uh, you know, 
thunder sound for the first time and um i know i was hooked like it was just so awesome. i mean when the we heard the turkeys i remember just dropping to the ground because we hadn't expected them to be so close when he hit the call and just all of that within from from him hitting the call to the Tur- turkeys responding to us hitting the ground me taking my shot and arrowing my first turkey was like that took all of less than maybe 15 minutes you know what i'm saying oh, wow. and since then it's just like i'm i'm in awe you know what i'm saying it was it was just the the combination of you know the the whole mentor mentor mentee relationship you know this guy taking me under his wing um add to that being in the woods so early in the morning watching the sun come up to um to learning about turkeys you know learning about their habitat learning um how to call them in why is it you know we utilize certain calls during the spring and then uh totally different calls in the fall um and it i was just hooked and then now follow that up with that fall of 2020 um went deer hunting and same thing you know what i'm saying uh or or just before the fall being like learning about that property that i was hunting trying to understand why deer move the way they move how the wind works in in correlation to them you know uh sensing my presence or smelling my presence um just all of that it's made me feel like a, a kid again in terms of just i'm learning so many things you know what I'm saying? And this is all happening, you know, an hour or less from my city. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like all of this opportunity has has been there and I didn't even know about it. And then it and then that that gets me going wonder, like, who else doesn't know but should know? You know what I mean? Yeah, I love that. It's like opening a door and behind it's this gigantic room that, you know, you never knew existed. That was a little closet or something. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I I thought I wanted to ask you about is in one of the articles I read, you mentioned this hunting is the great equalizer, you know, and I talk about it and I know everybody doesn't have equal opportunity to hunting, but I do think like hunting and fishing, right? You need, you need a certain amount of equipment. And then after that, you know, we have a lot of public land in this country. We have opportunities. I want you to talk about that if you would, because it's, it's, you know, I, I feel that's true, but I hear different variations of uh, maybe it's not that true or there's not equal opportunity. And, you know, I, I think that's true, too. There's not quite equal opportunity. But but what do you mean by that? Flesh that out for me a little, because I'm curious about how you came to that that, you know, idea. All right. So when I when I've used the two words, a great equalizer is in that no matter where you come from, regardless of race religion whether you're um you are a meat eater now or you're vegan now vegetarian at some point in time in your in your family line in your lineage in order for you to be standing here today someone in your family hunted and fished you know what i'm saying um yeah so even like even the diehard um you know vegetarian the diehard vegan the diehard anti-hunter whatever it may be at some point in time it their ancestors had to have hunt in order for them in order for them to be able to make the choices that they're making today 
You know what I'm saying? So that's that's where I feel like, um, you know, it's an equalizer in that way. But then on another another point, like you brought up, is um, you get a fishing pole in your hand, you get a bow in your hand, um, or what do you call it? Whatever piece of hunting equipment, whatever it is you fancy, um, you know what I'm saying? Or whether it be a rifle, bow, crossbow um the the woods the outdoors is an equalizer in that it sees it sees no race it sees no color sees no culture um and equalizes you and humbles you to that to that point you know it 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 literally um even the most the most skilled archer um can miss can have a deer uh you know, the most skilled bow hunter can have a deer uh, jump its jump the string, like they like they say. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> it's yeah. it's like I said. Yeah. It it's at that at the end of the day, it's all about it's all about the time you're able to put in. You're able to commit to, um, you know, getting to know the animal you're hunting. It's all about the time you're able to commit to getting to understand that animal's habitat. You know. Um, and then it's all about that time you're willing to commit to just being able to do all the prep work and things like that. So um, it's so for me, let me put it this way, being in the position that I am, you know, having a family, um, my commitment to them, um, my response, my work responsibilities, and then my want to get outdoors, um, I limit myself so as to not not make hunting, not have hunting leave a negative impact on my relationship with my family. So if my time in the outdoors is limited, um, so if I can't make the number of days uh, like high up there, like if I, so make, basically I'm not going to make it about quantity. I'm going to make it about having quality time out there, making sure that the days that I am out in the woods, I've got boots on the ground, I'm able I'm able to walk away knowing something that I didn't know before I stepped foot in the woods. I th- I like that answer. I, I'm kind of thinking too be curious for for you to tell us, you know, how you make it happen. I know you've talked about using public transportation. There's probably some pretty heavy logistics, you know, using a bus or a train or whatnot to get out of town and and get dropped off in a spot that you can walk from. Talk about that a little. What does that look like? All right. So my plan for when I have to get onto the woods um, using public transportation, uh, I got to get picked up at the other end, to be honest. So that requires that requires uh, and that's mainly for the public land that's closest to my home. There's there's a little bit there's public land that's further out, but that requires longer trips. So to access public land closer to my home, it requires me develop being able to develop or any hunter for that matter, if they're interested in doing the same from New York city requires developing a relationship with somebody that's willing to pick you up on the other end. Um, so for me, it's literally getting up or leaving my house around midnight, getting on a local train here, bus and train here by my home, taking it into Manhattan and then hopping on a Metro North train to take me to, you know, an hour away. So what normally would be like an hour's drive from my home turns into like three, four hour, you know, trip taking public transportation. And I'm not the the only one. Um, I've actually, you know, 
cool story. I, I met another uh, hunter through social media who lives in the heart of Manhattan and he's doing the same thing. And um, he was telling me a story is, and I think you'll get a kick out of this because he rifle hunts. He's got all the legal permits he needs in order to do so. You know what I'm saying? But he notices how uncomfortable oh, yeah. um, some folks might get, you know, look, looking, you know, carrying his case, you know what I'm saying, on the train or anything like that. So yeah. um, what he did was he he purchased a New York Philharmonic sticker and slapped that onto his case. So now <laughs> when folks see him on the train or bus, with, they assume it's, it's, a, it's a musical instrument as opposed to a hunting instrument. You know what I'm saying? And he he took he's done the same thing where he's traveled um like even further north than I have to go hunting. And he was he shared with me a story in which um one is I believe he shot a buck and he had no way of getting it home but taking the train. So he like quartered it, um, packed it up into his pack, um, and then he had the I believe what what's he had the whole rack and everything sticking out of his backpack and he said <laughs> if i awesome. could only imagine like if we could only imagine the looks he was getting while he was riding the train you know coming back home and it wasn't looks of like you know people looking at him angry that he hunted an animal but just looks of like you're out of place buddy like <laughs> you're really not supposed to be here <laughs> yeah that's a cool story but it's, it's stories like that that I think, you know what I'm saying, it's it's there are hunters like myself. Uh, that hunter happened to be Filipino. And, um, you know, it's hunters like, my, like me, like him and stuff like that who really are showing um, at least an interest, if not a love for the outdoors to the point that we're willing to make, you know, some really you know uh extensive plans in order to get to where we need to to be able to hunt you know um and those are the stories that i want to share that i want to put out there you know what i'm saying i've been able to link up with um i know a veteran who lives out here in queens as well and um he was supposed to go turkey hunting with us this past may but unfortunately he caught covid so that kind of that canceled his um his spring hunting plans because spring turkey season is only the month of may out here um so he's looking forward to to going out this fall and i really do hope he you know he'll be able to do so but he's one who also his work has him travel um like crazy and he's got kids as well he's married as well um so he's limited as to what can what he we i mean what he can do in terms of um scouting um you know, and shooting, but he's making it happen. You know, it's all about, um, granted, you know, I know, and it's something that I've drilled in his head as well. Chances are the more time you spend out of the woods, the, out in the woods, the, the luckier you, uh, you know, if you will, the luckier you'll get, you know sure. what I'm saying? There, there may be a better chance of you getting an arrow on a deer or on a turkey. Um, but, you know, we do know that we're limited on time with the choices that we make. So we just make it a point to to just learn, learn as much as possible. So um, there's a less chance, there's a, a smaller chance for mistakes. You know, there's a smaller chance for a miss. Uh, you know what I'm saying? 
um, things like that. And and that's what that's what I look you know look forward to doing every time I get out there. Is not only me enjoying my time, but me being able to share my story and others other stories like it. Yeah, I I often say that uh, hunting is a privilege, you know, and so. I think it, it gives me a fresh appreciation for it when I hear you talk about it because you're, you're approaching it that way. Right. And like when you're, when you're looking out in the world, you're going, man, this is just cool and new. And, you know, I'll spend the time to make time with my family, make time out for my family to go do this. And I'll get on trains to go do it. You know, I think those would be impediments for a lot of people, but you're making it happen anyway. And I'm sure you get some interesting looks and, mm-hmm in conversations and if you had some pretty interesting conversations on the train about, you know, what the heck you're going to do if people ask you about it at all? To be honest, you know, what's the biggest misconception getting on the train with camo on is it's as if people don't know the difference between hunting camo and military camo. And I'll get a lot of thank you for your services. That's literally what happens. Huh? Like it's it's so weird wow. that people aren't familiar so with that, it. Yeah, so they don't even think that that's what it's about. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it's 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 just that. Uh, um, granted, I live in a, in a a really big uh, immigrant community. You know what I'm saying. Queens is a huge, uh, I mean, real diverse population. So, um, I mean, this the city alone is you know diverse. But um, like anytime I've like some people won't even I mean, it's New York City. It's like you see so many weird things, you know, what I'm saying most people won't even look at you twice. You know what I'm saying they just look at you and keep it moving. But um, but like I said, any any person that has looked at me um, and chosen to engage me 99 percent of the time has said thank you for your service, not realizing that I'm not wearing military camouflage. And now let's pause for a message from our partner podcast. Hey everyone, this is Marsha Brownlee from Artemis Sports Women. We know you love awesome stories about hunting, fishing, and conservation. So head on over to the Artemis podcast. You'll meet adventurous, accomplished women who are redefining conservation through their lives in the field and on the water. Filled with humor, audacity, empathy, and intelligence, Artemis brings you new voices and introduces you to women from all walks of the sporting community. Find Artemis wherever you get your podcasts. Well, let's talk about, like, what do you like to hunt the most? I mean, it sounds like you've done whitetail and turkey, and you got any plans to do, you know, other species, or what, which one's your favorite, and you know, what do you, how, how do you like to hunt them? Do you hunt from a stand or still hunt, or talk a little bit about, you know, your strategies? So, um, currently, I've only hunted two species. I've only hunted turkey, and I've only hunted deer. Um, and with two spring turkey seasons and two deer seasons on my, under my belt, the only thing I've killed was the one turkey, my first and only kill. So, um, this has been just a huge, uh, learning curve for me. So as of right now, I gotta say, I really enjoy turkey hunting, um, mainly because of how interactive it is. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's really about you calling the men, using the call, calling the men and trying to, you know, kind of like a cat and mouse game. So I really enjoy that. But on the flip side, I enjoy deer hunting too because of the amount of knowledge required to do it. Or, you know what I'm saying? Um, like the things I've got to know, the things I've got to learn about, 
you know so um what I'm, what i enjoy about deer hunting for example is like i'll e-scout a piece of property a piece of land and figure out how to get how i'm going to get in how i'm going to get out um i figure out what might be potential what's potential bedding for the deer um potential food sources um things like that and then the next step is then getting boots on the ground and confirming what i've seen and deciding you know um where the deer are coming in where they're traveling and what would be a good spot to to set up on them now i've currently i uh hunt from a uh a portable climber so basically i like to be up in the tree but that's only because i feel like i haven't mastered um playing the wind enough to really uh try to hunt from the ground to do any spot and uh spot and stalk um though i'd like to so that's something i've spent the summer studying is understanding the wind so or understanding the historical weather data on a piece of land that i'm hunting the one the land that i want to hunt this fall i want to deer hunt this fall i've been doing my best to understand the historical weather data in terms of the wind in the area at that time of year and um and see if it's going to be about the same and then get an idea if if uh once i've got boots on the ground no if I've got a specific spot, uh, have multiple access routes to it, depending on how the wind is blowing that morning. Um, so learning that stuff, it's I I love it. I, I love it a lot. So as of right now, my focus is on you know hunting local for turkey and deer, and then who knows, maybe a couple of years down the line, um, I've become a huge fan of uh, Randy Newberg. And um and elk hunting is really appealing to me. Yeah, nice. Randy's a good ambassador of uh, of hunting and just does it right. Good dude. Uh, he's a good one to follow. What? How did you get connected to outdoor life? I know you've done a few different pieces. You've written something there. I think they've they've profiled you. Is it is it like a, is it this is kind of trying to think of your trajectory here you know you've your social media presence has grown you've got this podcast are you hoping to kind of work in the industry or conservation or something just talk about that kind of media connection because you're pretty prolific on media well the what happened was um last year with um covid being what it was um the archery trade association held a virtual media summit um it was more for I believe it was more for those actually in the hunting industry, but um, I guess they opened it up to anyone. Um, and I happened to get on it and um, just, uh, you know, get. I got a chance to listen to um, Alex Robinson. I believe it's Robinson, who's uh, an editor with uh, Outdoor Life. Mark Kenyon from Wired to Hunt, you know, the whole uh, Meat Eater crew. Um, Cuz Strickland from Mossy Oak was on there. And... Um, so I got the opportunity to um, even ask a question during that summit, which was, um, which is something I've, I've tried to do. Um, I try to engage hunting brands in the idea of marketing towards an urban demographic. Um, and that's mainly because with COVID being what it was last year, um, you know, hunter numbers increase, at least in New York State. I don't know where anyone else the the number of licenses sold jumped 
You know what I'm saying? And I believe an urban demographic is one that's untapped um, and could be a huge, huge windfall for the for the hunting industry. You know what I'm saying? I kind of liken it to, um, I don't know how familiar you are with hip hop, especially back in the 80s and the 90s, but hip hop really started out here in New York City, you know, and a lot of hip hop fashion um, <laughs> was taken from um how can i put it uh like big fashion names like um polo and hill figure and things like that and the fashion world um it took a while but it took the fashion world um a few years to go ahead and embrace you know like i said an urban demographic and flourish in that point and that's kind of what i see um should and, and could happen for the hunting industry you know what i'm saying like um just and i think it should start not in ways by ways of um trying to sell um product but le- communicating to those in metropolitan areas what is available to them you know like just the other day doing research um my wife and i found out that each of the five boroughs of new york city has its own state park you know something i wasn't aware of um that these state parks existed in the city you know Hmm. um and then now take into consideration um the preserve that i told you that my mentor is an assistant director of uh, a deer management program there um that's less than an hour from my home um i wasn't aware that this preserve even existed you know with hiking trails and such um uh bird watching opportunities there things like that and again just just a stone's throw away from Queens. And so I feel like if the outdoor, not even the hunting industry, maybe the outdoor industry as a whole may be focused on communicating outdoor opportunities to people, um, you know, in metropolitan areas, there'd be a huge influx of um, new outdoors people, outdoors men and women. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, uh, backtracking a little bit, I'm sorry. So, um, I had used the virtual media summit that, um, you know, the folks at ATA was offering to kind of, um, just ask questions. And, um, from there, outdoor life reached out. Um, and I'd like to believe it's because of my unique perspective in terms of, you know, juggling family work, um, limited time out in the field to try to convert all of that into, you know, successful hunting experiences. Um, and I wrote, you know, a couple of pieces for them, which have been really great. And, and I've liked that, you know, people have um, embraced my work, my writing um, per se. I've, uh, through those articles, I've established relationships with some folks from New York BHA, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. I actually became a member just this year and the same with um, the NWTF. Um, I became a member of that organization as well this year. Um, and through those organizations, I'm learning more about conservation um, or doing my best to learn more about it because I've understood where hunting, play, where hunting plays a role in terms of conservation, but I've wanted to learn more. I want to be able to explain um, more than what hunting does to con- uh, for conservation, but what a person can do for conservation as well. That's great, man. That's what we need. Everybody who starts hunting and, and fishing and getting outdoors, we need them to 
get into conservation, right? I mean, there's, there's we're not making any more new habitat. <laughs> so as more people get into it, we need, uh, we need more people who care about it. Take care yeah, of it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what about your kids? Are they interested in hunting? Are they, re- how are they responding to you, you hunting? Um, at the moment, they're not interested at it. I, it they're not interested in it, uh, at all. Um, it's, it's not for lack of, um, you know, me trying to engage them with it, but I mean, they've got their own interests at the moment. Will, will their interests change? Yeah. Um, maybe, but, um, but also, um, my goal has been with over the last couple of years, as my interest in hunting has grown, um, you know, I've made the mistake of, uh, it's been my fault in that I've kind of alienated my wife and kids a bit because they're not interested in it. So my my wife and I have, you know, come to the agreement to make it a family affair that they've got to find kind of their own way in the in the outdoors. It may not be hunting related, but it might be in the form of hiking. It might be in the form of fishing. You know what I'm saying? And so my wife and I have agreed to to expose them to other outdoor activities other than hunting, um, you know, and see what sticks, see what they're interested in. I mean, at the end of the day, even if they're not interested in this, those things, they're still really, really dope experiences, you know, for us to have had as a family, as opposed to just me having an, ex, you know, a hunting experience in the woods. It's a family experience. Yeah, that's great. I, I think it's one of the best things you can do with the family. Just get outside doing anything, man. I, I, do that with my family a lot. I love they, you know, even my kids will be like, oh, we don't really want to go. But then when they get out there, they're always happy. They always enjoy it. You know, it's pretty rare that they go, oh man, this isn't any fun. Let's go home or whatever, <laughs> you know? <laughs> nah, I, I totally understand. And that's usually the case is they want to know where are we going? What are we doing? Now, my daughter's always down for, for a car ride. Um, my, my little guy is the one that's always questioning where, what are we doing next? Where are we going? And he might be kind of down on it, like, you know, like most kids are at first. But then once they're out there, like we had the opportunity a couple of weeks back, we stayed at a buddy's um, cabin uh, about two hours away from here. And then we visited um, this hiking trail that led to um, a spot called the Dover Stone Church. Beautiful um, cave with a waterfall coming through from the top right down the middle through it. Really wow. beautiful. And my son had a, my, my, all of us actually had a blast hiking it, getting wet, walking through the water, um, you know, just beautiful, just great memories, you know what I'm saying? And then, um, you know, like, like our little trip yesterday, you know, took them to, to the beach out in Brooklyn, collecting seashells, um, getting wet in the, you know, playing in the sand, things like that. Just all great memories. And what's great is my family has been really, um, understanding and are more than willing also to share their story through my social media platform with hopes of now it's not only about me sharing my story of hunting, you know what I'm saying, but um, it's turned from my doing that to now my family and I sharing our story, our journey, um, you know, our story of our journey in the outdoors, you know, so it's been fun. It's been really fun doing that. And at the yeah. end of the day, it's like I said, yeah. whether whether something that sticks or not is still just we're having a blast just doing it. What do you think about do you, you think you'll have a career? Are you going to pursue some sort of, you know, working in the industry or in conservation or is that on your horizon or you don't know yet? 
Well, it's funny because um, sitting down with my wife, like she's asked me the same question. And what's been, it hasn't been fleshed out necessarily, but um, I've had this kind of uh, running thought in my head of potentially starting a nonprofit organization, which would allow me to lease um, some private land, lease some land, um, that would then in turn allow me to, if not by, you know, through me, through others, maybe mentoring new hunters. Um, and it doesn't even have to be limited to hunting. If we're lucky, there's, there's fishing opportunities allow, you know, seasoned hunters, seasoned, um, anglers to mentor others on this property, you know, and then even from an agricultural standpoint, learning about, um, maybe food plots that could help in relation to deer hunting um, or learn about foraging, things like that, but really make it something, I, I don't know if it falls within the, within the realm of the, the industry per se, but it's, I'd really like to, like everything that I'm trying to do through social media, I guess make a physical representation of that through this piece of hunting property and be able to give, because I think one of the biggest issues I had was finding um finding a place to hunt and i'd like to make it a lot easier for the next person the next potential hunter the next potential angler the next potential forager hiker and stuff like that um and be able to say hey um you know for hunters be able to say hey if you're new to hunting i know this great organization that really um looks to mentor um new outdoors men and women in and in terms of, you know, at least helping them establish a really great baseline in terms of learning the fundamentals to the activity, to any outdoors activity, and then encourage them to go ahead and head out on their own. Nice. I like it. We need more of that. We need more people that are helping facilitate, you know, good interaction outdoors and, and people who know how to do it and you know, a lot of people, if, I can't imagine trying to like start, you know, say, say we were back before internet and all that, and you were starting archery, right? Just, just the difference between then and now, you know, what it would be like to, to start something. Uh, it's, there's so much information available now compared to what there used to be that, 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 that does lessen the curve at least. Yeah. Well, I know we've been talking for a while. We had a little technical difficulties at the beginning and so I know we probably got to let you get running, but I, I want to ask you two more things. Uh, one is, you know, especially someone that's new, what do you think, what do you think the most important thing is you would want to tell the non-hunting public, people who don't understand it, you know, now that you're a hunter and you kind of see it, what do you think people need to know? The, what the non-hunting public needs to know, um, it's not about the killing um, per se. Um, granted, every hunter is going to have a different story um, than mine, you know what I'm saying? But for every different story that I've heard, um, it's never about the killing. It's not, it's, it's, I feel like sometimes people try to try to equate a hunter with a person trying to satiate like a bloodlust per se, you know what I'm saying? Um, and it's not like that. For some, it's about it's about being out there in the woods. Um, for some, it's about carrying on 
a family tradition, a family legacy. For some, it's a lifestyle, you know. Um, for others, it's it's a way to provide, um, you know, uh, organically sourced um, food for themselves, you know. And especially COVID, um, you know, COVID was a big, a big, uh, what's the word? I shed a huge spotlight on that because um, I don't know about where you're from, but out here in New York City last year, there was, you know, there was a, a shortage on on meat. You know, I'd walk into the supermarket with my wife and we'd be told we were limited to purchasing only two packages of meat, um, you know, at that uh, on that visit. And um, that really kind of opened the eyes and minds of some people like, wow, um, I'm going to be limited as to how much food I can purchase, specifically meat, but as how much meat I can purchase for my family. Whereas hunters who, who you know, successfully harvested a deer maybe the, the year before um, probably didn't have that that problem you know they had filled the, they had filled the freezer so they wouldn't have to worry about possibly not having a, a type of protein to for themselves and their family um so yeah for the non-hunter um listen is what i would say is listen before judging um because for for every hunter it's it's not about the kill it's 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 everyone's got a different story and and i think if you know the non-hunter was willing to take a take a couple of minutes to just sit and listen um they'd actually find it interesting intriguing even i appreciate that yeah I, one of the things that's interesting to me is i think people think that when hunters get around they sit and talk about killing stuff and i can't really remember the last time i mean people say yeah i got a deer or an elk or whatnot but it's always the mm -hmm. story of the hunt the things that they went through, the the way they figured it out, you know, what happened. And the actual killer harvest is like the last kind of just side note almost. But, you know, yes. it's, it's it's knowing the animal, knowing the habitat, having the experience, being with friends, all those things is typically what it's about. No, definitely. Definitely. It's, it's, it's all of that. It's a culmination of that. I want to give you one chance too to, to, Give us a parting shot before I let you go. What, what do you want to tell us? What What do you want to end on a high note? Give us Give us some Give us something to to leave with. Um, you know what? It's truth be told. Um, it's not even to non hunters, but to the people who aren't, you know, experiencing the outdoors yet. Um, you know, that are from big cities. Cause the other thing is I've caught some, some flack sometimes from, you know, friends and family that are like, Oh, you hunt. Um, that hunting is for white people type of deal, you know, that kind of, that kind of stigma. And, um, so while, um, some may think the hunting industry and community isn't very accepting of people of color. Um, I think people of color also need to stop acting like we're not, we don't have a place within the outdoor community. You know what I'm saying? Um, nah, that's that's not the case. You know what I'm saying? I'm having a blast, um, you know, meeting people um, from all walks of life. Um, I'm having a blast learning from them, um, you know, passing on maybe the, the little bit that I've learned 
Um, I'm having a blast sharing uh, my experiences with my family and thus creating new experiences with them. Um, so yeah, that's it, man. Like it's, if you're, if you're a person of color, you know what, even if you're not a person of color, if you're a, a person from an urban community, an urban environment who believes that um, the outdoors is only for one type of person, I'm going to say you're wrong. Um, it's for everybody. Um, it may be a little bit more difficult for people like us to get out there in terms of you know, planning and logistics and such, but it's not impossible. So get out there. I love it. Uh, I'm glad to hear you say that. I've, I've always known the hunting community particularly to be very accepting and welcoming and, you know, maybe they're not going to tell you their best spot the first day you meet them, (laughs) but, uh, eager to teach people, eager to help folks get out there. And so I like hearing stories that that's, you know, Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's other people's experiences too. Uh, so I'm glad to hear that. We'll keep doing what you're doing, man. Uh, hopefully we'll cross paths and, and be able to talk in person one of these days and maybe get out in the field. Uh, I would like definitely. that. And, uh, you know, just, just keep doing what you're doing. You're inspirational. I'll keep following you. I'll put links to, uh, all of your handles and so on, uh, in our show notes. Appreciate that. And, uh, hopefully we can cross paths. Same here. All right, man. Happy trails. Same to you. Take care. You too. We are NWF Outdoors. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm old there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.